there are certain technologies that are considered transformative. I would love to think privacy and data anonymization is transformative and makes all the headlines. But what seems right now to be dominating the headlines outside of cybersecurity is this concept of generative AI. You've heard about GPT-4 and chat GPT and heck, even stories where like doctors have taken confidential patient data, shoved it in through this large language model to auto-generate a letter to the insurance carrier to say, hey, please approve this procedure for my patients, you know, because they don't want to go through and write that legwork. It's mind boggling. And I think we're still kind of scratching the surface of what this technology can do. For small companies, the teams are very lean, though it's not a good idea to scale the team by doing things manually, right? That can never happen. Luckily, there are now pretty good tools out there to help automate a lot of these security type tasks that would typically be done manually and can now be automated. For example, when it comes to security policy, you should never write a security policy that you cannot programmatically enforce. Because if you cannot programmatically enforce it, then what does that policy mean to anyone? Probably nothing. It's just a piece of paper. So you have to programmatically enforce it. And then the other thing is when you do enforce it, let's do it through, say, SIM, right? You put all of your audit logs and all of the information relating to your policy. For example, if you're going to have a policy that says only these types of groups can gain access to this particular environment, well, then let's build automation to constantly check on violations to that policy and take care of it programmatically so that your precious few people are not spending their time logging into some system and then manually disabling things. One way to do that is to use a SIM that can integrate with an automation security incident response or XOR type of product. You really need to take a look at something like Tines or, or something like that, right? And tie it into your SIM so that, for example, if you have a policy that says Google Workspace documents cannot be made public, if somebody does that by accident, which is surprisingly easy to do just for people being unaware, that audit log then feeds into a SIM. And then there's automation tied into that to automatically go into Google Workspace and make that document not public. That's just one example. But normally, a lot of teams would do that manually. Once they see the alert, it's like, oh, what is this? Has this actually happened? Does someone with you know super user admin access to Google Workspace go in there and make it not public? You still have to investigate, but at least you can automate a lot of it. Sure. AI will help a lot in detection and a bunch of other things, and we'll get there. But... First off, AI is a new threat service. And, and Simon, I, I think AI is going to only make the botnets smarter, more adaptable. You know, if you kind of, because we're all, we're all kind of nerds uh, watching Star Trek, you know, you learn about the Borg. And a lot of times, yeah. bots, they can go back and they can, you know, continually do reconnaissance and adapt. But with AI, it makes it more dynamic. And that's going to be one of the biggest challenges with that. But is- also this, Chris, it's arbitrarily cheap to sit oh, yeah. and watch and learn about you. You're right. So finding your hold. So yeah, yeah. in general, the business of trying to find the vulnerability in your particular world is pretty cheap. 
So the attacker can customize an attack for your environment, given just time and the ability to watch your employees and how you use the internet and so on. So attacks will become arbitrarily personalized to your world. So we didn't talk about AI on the side of good, and it can help a lot, and it will. And Mm -hmm. I think forward-looking vendors are figuring out how to use it to understand vulnerabilities in your environment Mm -hmm. and to counterattacks. In the flash context, for example, everybody has spent a ton of money on buying point solutions to protect against a standardized notion of attack. The reason I like Fletch is it turns the idea the opposite way around. So it says, hey, let me understand your environment and then I can find where you have vulnerabilities, which is totally awesome. It's kind of like chat GPT for your own world, right? So you could find out who is the vulnerability in your org. You can find out, did they do bad things? Did they do stupid things? Who's logging on to production infrastructure from a home PC? So I can ask any question or think about it in an arbitrarily personalized way. It's not the web. It's my world and my people. And what am I vulnerable to? And I think there is a huge need for AI that's kind of on-site, that understands me and my world, and is out to bat for me. If you're an old fogey like Chris and I, and you're on here, what inspires you? What drives you, right? Right. And how are you sharing that with the people around you to, to motivate them? If I am writing an AI algorithm, things have gone horribly wrong. But the idea that this could be a really, really incredible capability and it's accelerating so fast that it can just do so many amazing things. But it's like anything else. Bad guys use cars to rob banks. I don't know that they do that anymore, but you get my idea. There's lots of things out there that get used for the wrong purposes, but we need to create the opportunities for that. This is all kind of like rainbows and unicorns, maybe it sounds like. But if you're a leader listening to this, Think about what inspires you, what interests you. In this weird self-licking ice cream cone, you know, I, I read a lot. And so what I'm finding is I can barely keep up with my reading on evolution of artificial intelligence and what's going on there. Maybe I can use AI to do my reading and then tell me what's important. I'm just like a weird thing, right? It just looks kind of interesting. And then I bore the crap out of my wife with all this stuff because she doesn't know anything or care about any of this. So. The tools are becoming more and more available to everybody. The democratization of the tools is, is getting so big. So people have this readily available. So now we have to train that next generation of warriors that can leverage those tools, but also think like criminals. I tell my kids, what do you do for a living, dad? I think like a crook and I help people that way. And it's a mindset. People start to follow traditions and not reality. They're looking at AI, they're looking at the cyber, they're looking at the advancements that we have in in digital protection and video systems. I mean, there are video cameras now that lock on and do facial recognition and AI and tracking and everything else that are the norm now that 10 years ago were a $100,000 option for your video camera. And now they're all included. In the security world, on the physical side, we see this quite often is they get very complacent. Well, we have this camera system. If somebody comes in, we can track them. We can do this. 
the problem with that is I have been in those enterprise areas that have those. I have literally been told we're not worried about this particular area. That is my biggest concern right now is everybody just getting very complacent about where technology is going. And while AI is an incredible thing, it doesn't stop somebody standing in front of you. And that's where the physical and cyber side come in very parallel with each other. I mentioned like your mother being able to re-identify you very quickly. Well, now mm -hmm. generative AI is very smart. So now we've got millions of people that know you as well as your mother. And I think it just becomes more important to make sure that the data that we're using to train those models isn't using unique, identifiable health information, for instance, because that's probably the biggest threat is that suddenly you have the power to combine all the information across the internet in two seconds to gain information about a subject and start to restitch. Like It's still pretty funny how fast you can sort of trick ChatGPT into telling you information that it initially says that it shouldn't. Um, <laughs> Yeah. But it's, it's kind of a fun little hack, but you really want to understand the level of re-identification risk that a database has if you're going to publish it for use in that context. Absolutely. I think we won't know the true impacts of this for the next couple of months, maybe even yeah. years. And a lot of us in the security space kind of can see the train, you yeah. know, it might be miles away, but it's coming. And it's a matter of, okay, can we convince them to get off the track? Or does it need to be a reactive situation where something really bad needs to happen for people to wake up and realize, oh, there's all these great controls and tools that we could have used all along? Or can we actually get ahead of it? I try to be optimistic, but then the pessimist in me is like, eh, it's going to end up being a reactive situation. I don't know. The robots are taking over. The robots yeah. are definitely taking over. Every technology brings implications with it, both from a threat perspective as well as a security perspective. I see two that within the next 10, 15, 20 years are going to fundamentally change how the security industry works. One, as you said, is generative AI, and two is quantum computing. And what both of those are going to do is they're going to reduce the attack time. Like, Because right now when we think about like how long does it take for an attack to go through, right? One way to measure it would be this thing called breakout time. So breakout time is how long it takes the adversary once they gain access to move laterally. In 2018, the average breakout time for a criminal was nine hours and 30 minutes. 2022, the average breakout time was one hour and 24 minutes. And wow. so what happens when generative AI and quantum computing are a part of that equation? What happens when generative AI is not only helping you query data, but also helping you find the most efficient route of attack? What happens when quantum computing is breaking encryption instantly? And what both of those things end up doing is they get you to this point to where the time approaches zero. And so I think that's an interesting question, right? What happens when the time approaches zero? Well, then in that case, and this is where my good friend Sun Tzu comes into play, right? All battles are won or lost before they are ever fought. And that particularly holds true when the time of an attack approaches zero, right? Which means that your strategy and how you think about the situation, the decisions that you make to prepare your security stack, how you're consuming intelligence, all of that matters, right? Because eventually with these technologies, the human will get out of the equation. They'll, the human will manage the process, but by the time it's happening, there is no response anymore. You either made the right decision or you didn't. And so if I were to sum it up, I think that's kind of how it's going to change, right? I, I Honestly, 10 years, and it might be less, but yeah, it'll, it'll come down to decision-making and, and less about like, how am I responding and how quickly, like, like yeah, no, generative AI is going to kind of make all of that go extinct. The hard part with both these technologies is, again, like it's games where the time is approaching zero, but then also there's this notion of proliferation, right? Yeah. So if we were to compare proliferation from the cyber security industry over to like the conventional warfare world, 
Yeah, let's take like a nuclear weapon, right? Yes, a nuclear weapon is a highly threatening thing, but to proliferate a nuclear weapon, that is a monumental task to proliferate chemical weapons and, you know, aircraft, so on and so forth. But what about a cyber weapon? How hard is it to proliferate malware? Clearly not that hard. How hard is it for zero-day vulnerabilities to be exploited by either Chinese APT threat actors or even your common criminal groups? Not that hard, right? And so the question I ask myself with both whether it's quantum computing or generative AI is what is that proliferation going to look like? What is going to be the amount of time between like when, you know, because right now it's pretty much you got ChatGPT, you got Google, and then you got Microsoft, right? They're kind of the big mm -hmm. names. But how long will it take before that technology is also readily available to our nation state adversaries, as well as the criminal groups, right? And so I think that's the other concerning element as well, is I don't think it's going to be that long. I think the time window is pretty short. My advice to everyone right now is go and start playing around with ChatGPT. Understand where AI is headed. Your mm -hmm. kids are doing it. You should do it too. <laughs> Because, look, for the last, frankly, as long as I've been in cybersecurity, but certainly in the last five to 10 years, I have never seen an attack vector that is more prevalent and more effective than phishing and just social engineering. Right. Now, think about what these attack vectors do. They're very sort of language-oriented. People are sending you emails or maybe a physical piece of mail. And you open it, it's like, wow, this looks pretty legit. Darian has just sent me a letter. Kind of weird, but... Great. AI helps you do this more by several orders of magnitude. So I think the sophistication of attacks that is coming over the next five years is going to be just incredible, especially in social engineering and phishing attacks. And the more you play around with this technology right now, the more familiar you're going to be with its capabilities and the more ready you'll be with in evaluating the vendors that you need to bring in to help fight these kind of attack vectors. Otherwise, you know, we've seen this in cybersecurity forever. Marketing is always several steps ahead of where the actual product is. And we have to do a ton of work in cutting through that noise and understanding what the product is capable of doing today. And again, the more familiar you are with the capabilities of AI, the easier it will be for your teams and yourself to really understand what this product can and cannot do. So for anyone who is in our audience who has questions about either this topic or past topics that we've covered, please DM us at The Threat Show. Thanks again and join us again for next week's episode. Thank you for tuning into The Threat Show. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe to us on YouTube, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and interact with us on Twitter at The Threat Show. Also, be sure to subscribe to Fletch's interactive newsletter and Trending Threats app to go deeper into the stories we discuss and the Threat Index. Be sure to stay tuned to stay ahead of threats. 